Hey, well, I got something special in store for today being Father's Day. I thought we would have a Father's Day panel and we would get real about parenting up in this church. Amen. So as you prepare your hearts for the Word of God, I want you to find 11 people around you and give them a daddy-style bear hug. Could you do that real quick? Give them a big father-style hug. Squeeze them. Make it tight. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, all campuses. All campuses. Amen. Amen, amen. Grab your seat. We're a social church. We, uh, we picked the best looking dads we could find. That's right. I'm joking, I'm joking. We, uh, what a privilege it is to have uh, some great friends of mine up here on stage, uh, some, some great dads in their own right. And uh, what I wanted to do is I wanted to just have really just a, 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 just a cross-section of our church, really, an opportunity to take some. I, I could have filled this stage with great dads from this church. Amen. That's an opportunity for all the dads to give me some support up in here. Uh, but, but, you know, I wanted to just create an opportunity where we just can talk. A couple of weeks ago, we did uh, a little panel called Marriage Matters, me and my wife. Did you enjoy that? Yeah, that was good. I had fun doing it. And I thought, let's do it from a, from a father's perspective today. And I want to, before I get into it, I'm going to share a little bit from the Word of God. But I want to just introduce these dads to you. Uh, in case you don't know, this is Pastor Charles. He is our families and kids pastor, along with his wife, Faith. And in fact, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to introduce you and you have to tell a dad joke or a dad fail. Is that cool? I can do that. All right. So Pastor Charles, you've got two children. Yep. You've got a girl, Bailey. Yep. And she's a sweetheart. She's amazing. And, and Jacob. Yes. Brand newborn. Yep. Straight out the womb. Straight out the womb. <laughs> Freshly baked. Freshly baked. And go for it. Uh, so um, I got a joke. Okay. Because, you know, we're, we're kicking knowledge, right? We're, we're trying to impart wisdom. So oh. I'd say don't buy anything Velcro. It's a total ripoff. So. so. The dad jokes are strong with this one. Got them for days. Love it. Love it. I got Chris next to me. Give it up for Chris. Beside part-time male modeling, he... I do that too. He is a father and uh, he is a husband to one woman and he is... Better be. He is, he is a great guy. Great all-round. You're a great all-round guy. That's what you are. And you. Uh, got, got two young boys, two young men of God. Now tell them, tell them are you going to go with a fail or are you going to go with a joke? Um, it's hard to find a fail, so I think yeah. I'll do a joke. <laughs> this guy, this guy. Since, since Christ renewed me. Come on, you're perfect. Old things that pass away. Um, yeah, what's a giraffe's favorite fruit? A nectarine. <laughs> I'm retiring my, my stand-up right now. I love it. I love it. I love it. Did you know that French fries didn't start, they weren't, French fries weren't first fried in France? They were fried in Greece. Wow. Down the end, we got Rob, Rob Odom, and 
And if we've got Chris with part-time male modeling, this is full-time male modeling right up here. I, I model too, Pastor. And, uh, I, model, I model too. <laughs> I, I model too, okay? Sorry, don't did I forget it's about a height, that. Not a height thing, all right? I thought that was obvious. It didn't need to be mentioned. That's why. Well, just you making know. sure, you know. And uh, so, so Rob and, and his wife, Saree, uh, have been a part of our church pretty much from, from the origin or pretty close to it. And uh, Rob has got two sons and a daughter. And right. now he knows the glory of the Lord. Oh, yes. With Absolutely. the baby girl. Absolutely. So what do we got? A dad fail or a dad joke? Um, I'll keep in line with the pattern. Yep. Dad joke. So a uh, rich, super rich snail goes into a car dealership and he says, I want to buy a car and I want a big S on the front and S on the top, S on the back, S on the side, S everywhere. He's like, the, the car dealership guy is like, why do you want that? He's like, so when I go down super fast on the road, they're going to say, wow, look at that S car go. <laughs> We should go on tour. We should just have our own comedy. Let's do it. Do a little dad podcast. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's open the Bible. Can we go to the Word of God? We're going to shape this around. You have to be cultured to get that joke too. That's, that's what's multi-level. Hey, let's go to the Word of God. I'd, like, I'd love the Bible to frame our time together here. Is this cool if we have some fun today in church? Hope you're going to learn something. Feel free to take notes if anything is good. But I want to start reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 4 where Paul writes to the church in Corinth. And you got to know this, when Paul writes to the church, he's writing to reframe some perspectives. This is what a good leader does. A good leader will not just write to encourage, although that's a part of leadership. What a leader will do will also correct and will also shape. And sometimes that has to come with some firmness. Amen. It has to come with some strength in the writing. And so Paul has a little caveat in the midst of his letter to the Corinthian church. He writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 14, he says, by the way, I'm, I'm not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children. For even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. So I urge you to imitate me. Verse 17, that's why I have sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you of how I follow Christ Jesus just as I teach in all the churches, wherever I go. You know what I like about Paul? Paul had a, had a, had a way of, of realigning perspectives. Paul knew that in life, there are so many voices that will direct and that will lead and that will shape your life. So many influences, so many voices. A voice of an employer can influence you. A, a voice of a spouse, a voice of a friend in fact, the old leadership saying is, uh, you want to see your future, show me your friends. And your friends and voices will dictate and determine the way we, and the direction we will go. You are a product of your environment. How many people know what I'm talking about? And so Paul knew that there are many voices that will teach. In fact, he says there are 10,000 others. There are, in fact, there are no limit to the amount of influence you will have in your life. But out of all the voices, out of all the instructors, out of all the teachers, he says, you've got but one father, one spiritual father. Paul saw himself as a spiritual father. And the context which he's drawing there is from this understanding at that time, there were different 
roles within the household. One household that was predominant at that time was a certain role from a servant within the household who was a sometimes like an acting father. They, would, they were called a pedagogist and they, their job was to direct the kids, to tutor the children, to take them to school, to kind of step into roles that a father would do. But Paul wanted to contrast that temporary hired role with the role of a father, a role who, who a father gives their life. A, fa- a father has sacrifice. In fact, a father's role cannot be substituted because from a father comes identity. From a father comes confidence. From a father comes self-image. These are things that a father does. In fact, he says, so I urge you to imitate me. In other words, Paul says, don't, don't just do what I say, do what I do. Paul says, I'm going to be the kind of father that just doesn't give you good instruction. I'm going to give you good example. I'm going to show you how to live life. I'm going to show you how to face situations. I'm not just going to send you on your way and say good luck. I'm going to walk with you and I'm going to walk every step. And this is what Paul framed a father to be. Because in fact, we know this, that anybody, really most anybody can be a dad. A moment of passion nine months later, can produce a dad. You can be a dad by default. But not many people can be a father. And just because you're a dad doesn't mean you're always a good father. And so I thought it would be a great topic of conversation to, as if we were around the, uh, I was going to say like a cafe because we've got coffees, but maybe more manly would be like around the tool table or something like that. I don't know if, I don't know if that's such a thing, but... We'll pretend like it is. And if we were having a toolbox conversation <laughs> as a group of dads, I thought it'd be good to maybe define the difference between what is a dad and what is a father. Give me some thoughts, guys. Like, who, who would like to go? We don't have any order or plan to this, but, but maybe we could just have a conversation. What, what's the difference between a dad and a father? You, want, you, got, you got the microphone up, so go. I'll jump in. Uh, so I think that the, the biggest thing is, it's kind of a dad is something that you chose to do one time. Right. A f- a fa- or, right. or you didn't choose to do. Or you didn't choose to right. do. Right. Whereas a f- I feel like a father is something that you choose to do every day. Wow. It's something that you have to be oh, intentional about. See how quiet they are? Like that's just, yeah. that's normal. That's like normal Was preaching. Was it too heavy, you know too fast? Mean? Too heavy, too fast? Right. Just ease it in. Ease it I in. Could, I could do a dad joke. Yeah. A dad is a decision one time or none time, and a father is a decision every day. Every day, like every hour, every time you have that, that, that opportunity to engage with your child, to correct your child, to, to provide wisdom or direction. Like, you have to choose to do that versus, here, here's an iPad. Like, right. go sit over there, go play. Right? No, I'm saying, like, I'm, Bailey, ba- Bailey watches real. TV. You know, shout out to uh, Daniel Tiger. Daniel Tiger, anyone? Yeah. Daniel Tiger, okay. I know none of this. <laughs> but, but, but it's something you have to sign up for every day. That's our kids pastor right there. Come on. What do you guys think? I would say uh, along the same lines, it, it's a lot of sacrifice. Every day, um, yes. sacrificing for your kids. Um, and I, you know, I think back when my wife and I were just newly married. I mean, we had like so much freedom. 
I mean, it's like we were still single. <laughs> I mean, let's talk about we it. how so weak much. are these non-parents. I'm just joking. I'm joking. I'm messing with you. Messing with you. Yeah. Talk real I'm talk. Not, real talk. No shade. Or nothing. No, I'm not trying to throw any shade out no, there. No, we're not shaming you. Paul said that I didn't write to shame you, but <laughs> but what are you doing with your time? Seriously, like I mean. But the amount of Make energy, babies, the on. amount of energy, and it just goes up another level when you in, when you have that child. It's, it's and very, it's exponential, right? Because like one child, you think, man, life's tough. Oh yes. And then God blesses you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who's with said another that. child. Got three. Oh yeah, three blessings. They're amazing. You know, you, you guys have heard of the Vlad. We've talked about the Vlad. Like he's like one of thirteen children. I don't know why I just threw that in there, but. So blessed. Explain something. A lot of sacrifice. Sorry, you were saying, yes. No, yes. Um, sacrifice. Yeah, the sacrifice for um, just to be able to be available to them, uh, to provide for them, um, and, uh, and to give them, you know, give them your love, and just to cherish them and to give them so much. It takes, uh, it takes that sacrifice to be a father on a consistent basis every day. That's really good. That's good because I think, you know, this stuff that we're going to share today may seem elementary to some people, but, but Father's Day and the idea of Father's Day can be contentious for other people, given your perspective of fathering or what you have or have not had in your life, whether it's a good example, a bad example, or a non-existent example of a father. My prayer is that today when we kind of go through this, we would, we would learn some stuff. We would shape some stuff. And we would allow the Holy Spirit speak, especially when we talk about sacrifice. And, and we're talking, and that's why I'm trying to frame the difference between a dad and a father. Because you might have had an example of a dad. Well, my dad never sacrificed anything. Well, that's because we're trying to show the difference between a, a father and, and, and really ultimately reveal who God is, God the Father, and reframe that today. Chris, what about you? Over time, I've realized, like, and this is my my belief, that a father shapes everyone. You know, that um, it's the focal point of everyone's life. You, you either want to be just like your dad and want to impress him, or you don't want to be anything like him, but he's still the focal point of your life. And so fatherhood is important. There's a, um, a more current, recent prophet by the name of John Mayer that had a song say. Um, prophet John, yeah. You know, yeah, uh, Prophet John. <laughs> And he said, like, fathers be good to your daughters, you know, like, um, because you it... You should it, sing it. Uh, oh, what? Let's go. Yeah. The way my voice works, like, when it hits people's ears, it doesn't, you know... Does um, it translate? I have It's not the problem. same. It's not the same. Sounds good yeah. up here, but... Yeah. Um, unless you can auto-tune the mic, we'll be good, oh, you know? I think they can do that. But I think it's important to just understand, like, how a father shapes the nation. Like, you know, um, when you see kids that... Like, I've, I've done work in, like, prisons and ministered to different folks there, and they're always saying I was never loved, you know? And, and you can see the difference. Like, a mother is so nurturing, but when there's a, an absence of a father, you can see how it plays a factor in some of the decisions. Like, my kids love when I come in the house, and if they're acting bad, they love when I discipline them, you know? It's like they're screaming out, please, daddy, spank me, you know? Uh, <laughs> So, you know, and, I, and I, I think it's just maintaining that balance, you know, just yes. of a presence and, and setting order and also establishing like love and building their esteem. Because there's different kinds of love, right? You've got, you've got the nurturing love. Rob, you and I were talking about this even earlier. You got that, that nurturing love, but then you got that, that rough love, that, that 
rugged love that a father gives, which is a little bit rougher. It's a little bit more robust. It's, it's like, because, you know, like, moms are so nurturing. You know, they hurt themselves. They scoop them up. But, but a dad says, you're good. Step up. Come on. Yeah, and that's I've, needed. That's needed in life. Anyway, you don't want to hear this. I, you're I, all like. I was just going to share. So I have a, I have a five-month-old. And uh, I even do. So I have a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter. You tell him, fix yourself. I'm sorry, and I no. have a, I have a five. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I have a five-year-old. Sorry, five, five-month-old, five-month-old, five-month-old son. I'm, I'm still sleep deprived, so bear with me. He's able. Uh, and, and what I, so Jacob's crying, 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 and you know, Faith, my wife, she's like trying to nurture. Him. I'm like, no, he's good. Like, no, he's, he's good. Like, and, and so I already see that. Like, I already, the way I kind of engage with both my kids um, across genders actually is a little bit different too. Exactly. So let's let's talk about this then, because obviously, you know, we're, we've got different age kids here on this panel, uh, some young kids, uh, different elementary age. I got some teenagers, and and obviously, each one of us have some pretty big dreams for our kids. Like that's life. As soon as your kid is born, you, you're dreaming about the future. You're, you're dreaming about all the great things and and the medical advances they will make and the way that will change the course of history. You know, you, you got these little dreams for your kids. But, but how do we not, how do we balance having dreams for our kids but not pressuring our kids? Because sometimes I feel like, you know, what people experience is pressure. Pressure to perform and pressure to keep up to the expectations of parents. So how do, we, how do you carry that balance? I think, I'm just here to ask the hard questions, by the way. Yeah, no, I think... Um, being able to, being open and honest with yourself and like um, maybe not try to, to live your life through, through them and That's good. all That's the good. shortcomings that you had. And, you know, man, I, if I would have just kept on that, you know, sports career, I would have made it all the way. So now I'm going to put it on my kid. Right. Um, so not to pressure them in that way, but also like we try to be able to be um, as open as, as and open to God for him to open up our eyes to see, like, okay, what are they naturally good at? That's good. And to, to help foster that, where my oldest boy loves sports, loves to play baseball, loves to play, kick the soccer ball. Right. Around. And I enjoy that. I'm like, let's go for it, man. Yes. And, um, and so I want to encourage him to do that. Do it more. Yes. And then my other child, he's only three, so it's a little bit young. My, my, my you think, boy. really? I mean... <laughs> So I don't want to pressure him, you know, but I also just want to be able to see, like, what is it that he's going to enjoy? Yes. So that way, the, whatever dream that he does live out is something that he's, going to, that he's going to love. Yeah, I like that. Defining what is your dream and their dream. Because not living vicariously through your kids and putting them in all the things that you didn't get a chance to do or you wish you had it done and now you're going to do it. Like, like, I don't know how many times I've told my kids they will play soccer, but still they're not doing it, disobedient little children. <laughs> But, but knowing, okay, what is their skill set and what is their gifting, what is theirs, and, 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 and how, allowing them, fostering an environment for them to dream. I think that's the primary thing is yeah. creating an environment where they can dream. Yeah, and also being patient, right? Like sometimes you just say, no, I already know, like you're going to be great at this. Like let's just get going on this. But, <laughs> but you got to like, like pump the brakes and like, and just give them time to develop and start to see because God's placed gifts on all of our kids. 
uh, and we need to give them time for, for to foster that and to see it and to and and then once we find it and once we see it, help direct them yes. so they can build and grow their gifts. Uh, because our, all of our kids have gifts. We just yeah, have to, that's right. To find them. So I think that it's it's a it's ultimately a father's role to dream, but but how do we temper that pressure? How how do we enhance dreaming in the home? Dreaming, I mean, without the absence of, with with the absence of dreams, I mean, I think you live a life well under what you're called to live, and and I think ultimately you got to know this. God has dreams for you, by the way. I don't know if you realize that or not, but God's got big dreams for you. God's got big plans for you. He ordained them even before you took your first breath. He had big plans for you. So when you dream, you're literally mimicking the Father's heart to dream as well. And to dream in the home is so vital to teach our children and foster an environment to think beyond limitation. Because so often dads, you know, fall into the role of, of the discipline or the, or the restriction or the line or the budget. No, we can't afford that. We're not going to do that. Uh, no, you can't buy those, you know, expensive things. You know, that kind of stuff, which almost positions you as the, as the lid instead of lifting the lid and dreaming in the home. H- how do you guys do it? Well, I have we we in my household we dream a lot. Like I got the woman of my dreams. She's got there the you man go. of her. There you go. Of her dreams. Good way to start. It's gonna be a good Father's Day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Working my pul- pulpit to get points. Like. Yeah. yeah. Um, but 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 in all seriousness, like I think it's important that you know, you do have the patience and it's case by case, you know, like um, there are certain things that like we want our kids to do. Like you have to be a Niners fan. Michael Jordan is the greatest, you know, um, just things you yeah, have yeah. But, but before, to live under my roof. Yeah. But before that, like That's for me and my house, yeah, Christ is everything. Follow God. And then, you know, but understanding like their, their gifts and their abilities, you know, like as a father, like what I learned from my seven year old and my four year old are completely different, you know, and I'm learning, like I'm a, adjusting because I saw, you know, in sports, usually you have men in like those um, coach dads that like, right. um, and I'm not looking at anyone, so don't take offense. Um, <laughs> but just in what I've observed is like fathers would live through their kids and push them to the point that it's like provoking to like evil or, you know, the right. breaking point. And I think right. it's important that you know their characteristics, their loves and their passion. And and when you um, achieve a dream that as a family, you celebrate that together right you know you rejoice together and that way they're able to see these milestones and say man look what god has done you know yeah as a family yeah as a family. you know i think that that's that's huge you know when you when you break through in a season as a family celebrate that that's that's some of the the, the i guess the realest opportunity the most genuine moment that you have as a family to establish faith in your family to see that there are challenges and actually what makes the dream so worth celebrating is when you walk through the challenges as a family as well. Sometimes I think we've, we, we think we've got to protect our kids from certain things or we've got to, we've got to shelter our kids. No, when it's okay to walk your kids through seasons of life that you're going through as a family, obviously to the level that they can handle and what's appropriate for them to understand. But that's what gives power to the breakthrough of God when the miracle comes that you get to celebrate together. So talking about that as a dad, as a father, uh, let, let's, let's talk about obviously not just having dreams, but on the other end of the spectrum, how do we discipline? Because discipline can be contentious, right? Yeah. 
the idea of disciplining, especially because I think people are afraid that if I discipline, I'm going to destroy my kids. So how do you discipline but not destroy as a father? Because I think a dad can discipline, and generally a dad's discipline is out of a reaction or anger. But how do you discipline as a father? I think at first the most important thing is to realize that discipline is communication. That's good. That's really good. Uh, and and it, the communication changes depending on if they're six months or if they're 15 or even 20, right? So you got to realize that when you're trying to discipline, you're trying to communicate something. Uh, and I think that, that that's the crux. Uh, the second thing is love, right? It has to come out of love. And uh, so I believe discipline is, is, a, is a language of communication and, and a language of love. Absolutely. I like that. It is a language of love. I would say that, um, you know, just it's been disciplining as a father is that's been the most difficult, I would say. I don't enjoy disciplining my kids. Right. It's the least fun part of being a father. Right. For me personally. Right. It's not It's fun. my favorite. <laughs> and I know for different. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm missing. So because like. No, you why know, is it difficult? Tell them. Okay. So, you know, when you're when you're a, becoming a dad. You know, even conceiving the child. That's a lot of fun, right? That's a lot of fun. That's a good, so that's a good we part. Could talk, we can do a whole session on yeah, that. We can, so we can do that. There's so much to enjoy about being Let's a father. Let's do a podcast on that. <laughs> so, um, you know, and then, you know, the whole pregnancy, the part. We're not the ones, you know, fun caring. Fun for us. Exactly. The fun. baby is born, the child comes, and it's just like one of the most amazing things. Like looking at this child and, you know, you're crying and it's just such an emotional moment. Growing up with them, developing them, playing with them. I love to be rough with my boys. I love to just, like, be so loving to my daughter. Like, that, those are the funnest things. But when it comes to being, a, like, when it comes to discipline, I don't enjoy it. And uh, because, for one, it forces me to confront myself. It forces me to confront the areas in my own life that you know, I'm, that I fall short, that I'm, that I'm frustrated or that my temper gets the best of me. Di every other part is so much fun, but when I have to discipline, it, it, comes, it ultimately comes back to me of like the areas that I struggle with and that I fall short in. Wow. You know, I mentioned this earlier, but that's, that's something I, I let uh, dads know is that, you know, it's fun when your child is born and you first see yourself in them, like you, they look like you. You're like, wow, that's, that's amazing. It's really scary when the first time they act like you. That's what's confronting. That's what's confronting as a parent. Yeah, you can praise Jesus. That was a little bit of gold. No taking mode. But discipline, we're talking about discipline because what I found about, out about discipline, and, and it is confronting, it is, it, is, it is difficult, but just because something's difficult does not mean it's not essential. And the absence of discipline actually shows the absence of love. And, and because we love, we, we discipline, we direct. We, we know that if we don't discipline, the path of undiscipline is destruction. And because we don't want our kids to be destroyed, that's why we discipline. And knowing that there are different phases and different ways to discipline. There are different, different, uh, yeah, that's a word, ways. Uh, there, there are different uh, functions of discipline in different seasons. And, and you've got, uh, you got two boys. So how do you, how do you discipline? 
we want practical, don't we? Like the spiritual's good, but just how do you discipline? Well, I ex- I'm going to extend um, this to you guys as I did with the 930 service that if your kid is out of line and you need someone to get a nice healthy belt, belt for them. You show them? I'm an expert at you it. You're a volunteer you know? as tribute. <laughs> um, and again, the disclaimer, my comments do not reflect Vive Church. This is only <laughs> me, me and my, my background. But, uh, but I, I, think it, I think it's important. Like, I have a, my four-year-old, he runs the house. He's a king. We call him King X. Like, he runs the house. He's so strong-willed. But um, it's important to discipline him, you know, especially when he thinks it's okay to... When he thinks it's his show. Yeah, you know, like when he runs the house. Like, right. You're not the boss of me, you know? It's right. like, oh. Oh, really? But then, but then my kids, like, Vibe Church is very, like, royal kids. Like, they'll say, you're not Come the on. boss of me. Jesus is the boss of me. So it's like, well, how do you? <laughs> you know? Look, look. We just teach him to love Jesus. Yeah. Your job is. You know, yeah. We stop there. Yeah. So do you spank him with, like, a Bible? Like, how does that, you know? Look. You know? But, but I, but I, but. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think it's, I, and, and, and it's interesting, like, one of my sons is like, go to bed, and then it's like two hours later, he's still up, and I was like, what are you doing? Reading the Bible? It's like. <laughs> You're making me look bad. You're making me look bad. It's like, how does that work, God? Like, I tried, you know? Um, but, but I think it's important that you, you maintain a balance. Um, these are true stories. Like, they, true stories. Yeah. They're smart. Uh, yeah, man. extremely. But I think it's important that you, you know, the Bible says, like, those who God loves, he chastens. So if I really genuinely care for the well-being of my child, when they're doing wrong, it's important that they know that. Because if I don't, like, you know, when your parents say, it's going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Well, I've experienced that a lot. Right. And, and I think it's important that they know, like, look, these are the consequences for your actions. You know, um, I don't want to be here. But, but, but another thing that you have to do is embrace them with peace and love. Like, you have to have restoration. Like, God never says, I'm done with you. Like, he embraces you. He reconciles with you. So I think it's important that you let them know, this is why I'm disciplining you. You know, like, it's not on me. It's on you, you know? No, that's good. That's good because I think sometimes as parents, we get stuck thinking that, because kids are smart, man. They are, that's, they're smart kids, but kids are smart. And sometimes I think as parents, we, we think that we have to have a rational reason to explain why we're disciplining. You have got the almighty uh, advantage of just because. Just because. And Jesus may be the boss of you, but Jesus partnered with me to bring you into this world. And I will partner with Jesus to take you out of this world. So just because I hold that power, you'll do what I say. But, you know, parenting can always be difficult, parenting to know what what parenting at what stage, because, you know, these guys are still in the rookie season of parenting. Uh, I got teenagers, okay? And so what you think you know in toddler years, you lose all of that in teenage years. It doesn't apply. And that's what's what's frustrating. When you expert a level, it doesn't apply any further. And so you're always learning. And and what I've learned, if anything, uh, there are different phases and stages to parenting where, where, you know, when they were, were young, it was physical, physical work. They, they needed, they developmentally, their brain respond to physical things. So if they touch something that was hot, they realize that hurt, don't do that again. It's the same when they do something naughty, they, that the, the physical pain of that will remind them, don't go there, don't do that. But then they will get to a point where they will be defiant and resistant to the spanking on the backside. And, and so that moment they, 
they, you know, front up to you, like you smack them and you smack them again and then they get more defiant. Cool. That's the moment you say, we're not going to smack any longer in our house. A smile will come on their face like they've won. That's when you take the iPad away and watch the tears flow and the whole world crumble because, because you changed the game a little bit. You, you took what was, and it's consequential now. It was physical, now it becomes consequential because their, their development is, is, is changing and you need to respond as a parent to a different way of parenting. And then it's going to go from consequential to relational. When they become an adult, doesn't mean your disciplining stops. It just becomes relational. It comes off the relationship that you've built over the last 18 years. And I, I was saying this, that, that what, what is way harder when you're an adult and then your father tells you that what you did was disappointing. Oh, yeah, okay. Can you just like hit me or something, dad? You know, like take the car away or something because I don't want to be disappointing to you. But that's, that's the level. You tell a toddler I was disappointed, they go, cool. You should pray about that. But there's different levels and phases. And so what I'm trying to do is teach you how to mature as a parent and and to know a father is invested in knowing the the stage your kid is at. You can't do that when you're a dad because a dad isn't invested. A father is invested in every stage and development of, of of a child's life. And sometimes maybe, maybe, maybe what we naturally gravitate to, because we've read all these parenting books and now they're telling us, you know, you've got to do this kind of parenting. Each, it's not just each stage, but each child is different. Sometimes you've got a strong-willed child. Sometimes you've got a sensitive child. Sometimes their acting out is a cry for attention. And so a greater inv- investment is needed. A greater investment of time is needed to, to, to curb the behavior and and direct them in life. In fact, let's talk about how we direct our kids because we haven't got much time. I know the music's already out, so, but I want to give you one more thing because, because how, do we, how do we direct our kids but not control them? How do we not put like a, like a, a leash on our kids? How do we not put reins on our kids and control them through life? Because I guarantee you, as much as you want them to live their life when they're toddlers, when they're teenagers, you want to rein that right back in. And so how, how do we direct but not control? I was going to say, um, earlier we were talking about dreams. Like, if a, I've noticed that when a child's parent or father isn't present, as much as they don't want to be like them as they get older, their imagination starts to form and they become like them. And I think in order to direct, you have to lead by example. Like, that's the best thing. Like, we have a, a God really who good. calls us to be a father, and our children look up to us. We become their heroes, and they want to be like us. And I think it's important that... In order for us to direct them, we have to lead by example. We can't just say, do this, do this, and then don't follow in suit. Like, my son, we're like, clean your room. He's like, your room's not clean. I was like, oh, oh, it's just a, it's an off day. Hold on. And then it's like, then when we, and it was interesting. Like, whenever we, when we cleaned our room, because um, my wife has like 50 million Jordans on oh the floor. Oh, my gosh. You know, in yeah, size it's of, all her. In size 11 and a half men's. Um, but, um, but. When they saw that, they followed in suit, and it was easier. So I didn't have to, like, fight them to clean their room. They solved an example in me, and they led by that. And so I think it's important that you just – consistency. Like, kids look for consistency in order. That's what Paul was saying in the Scripture. He's saying, imitate me. I'm not just going to be a preacher that gives you instruction to go and do it, and then I live a different life. He's like, I'm going to be the example. Rob. 
Um, just along the same lines as far as like being an example. Um, you know, the scripture that I think about when I think about my kids is that um, it's in Psalms. It says that children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Yes. So just in the same way that your our kids are like arrows, we are the we're the bow. Like we're the ones who are aiming, and we're the ones who are kind of we have that tension on them. Yes. And um, you know, and we're and we're just we're focusing, and we're we're trying to to hit a target. And for us as a family, the target is. What what are the character, what is the character that we want our kids to have? Really good. Like, and what are the values that we want to instill in them? That's the target that we're aiming for. Yes. And we can hold on to them for so long, and the tension is there, especially in these early years. It seems like every day is a grind. Yep. Every day is the tension of how do I keep them focused on you know, being nice to their brother. Yes. Not, not taking the, my, you know, not taking his, his, his toys. Right. How do I get him focused on, um, you know, cleaning his room? Like these kind of things. Like the tension is so strong the younger they are. And then eventually it's pretty much you got to let go. Right. And, and hopefully you've been able to take that time in so these good. early developmental years to say, I've tried my best to get you to focus and to get you to hit that target, but now I need to let go. And so, you know, where you can't there's there comes a time when you just when you release and so hopefully all of the time that you spend investing and focusing them and getting them to look at that same target yes hopefully they hit it wow because you've been focused on building the character building integrity so the time there they have other influences that's what holds them straight and that's why it's so important to father from day one from a young time, young age, because ultimately, you're you're setting. It's it's too late in their teenage years, unfortunately, to begin. Then I mean, if if that's where you got, start now. But but you feel like you're just trying to bridle something that hopefully you taught and instilled something from a young age that will guide them through. I was just gonna say um, it comes with responsibility, right? It's the sense of um, authority that you should have over your kids. Uh, and it's, you shouldn't take it lightly. Uh, and I think it, it comes down to having, realizing that you have that experience and that it's your job to guide, but it's, it's, <clears throat> it's not your life to live, right? Your children, they have their lives to live. Yeah. They have to follow what God has called them to do. Yeah. Uh, and so, yes, we're older. Uh, we're just bigger kids, right, who've made a lot more mistakes. And so that's where the authority, that's where the wisdom and the experience comes from. But, but at a certain point, you're right, like Rob's right, right? You have to realize that we need to turn them over to God. We need to turn them over to, um, back to him so that he can continue to build them and grow into them so that they can be a blessing to others and step into the calling. It's a scary thought, right? Yes. That as a father, they've got their own life to live. I want them to live the life I designed for them. But, but hopefully, as a father, I think what would really shape the father, the way God designed fathers to be, is to to be an example of him as a father. Because whilst my kids have got to live their life, they never have to live their life alone. And as long as they've got a great image of the heavenly father, they'll they'll always have a revelation of his love and his grace, no matter what circumstance life brings at them. In fact, maybe this is the, the framework, because I've been hoping and praying that that this panel would would instill some ideals and some direction for us as 
parents, as fathers, or even as non-fathers to, to know and understand something out of this. But my prayer out of anything, if you get anything out of this, is that, that maybe your perspective of God as a father would be realigned. Because sometimes I talk to people and the perspective of God as a father is that he is an angry God, that he's a disappointed God, that he's perpetually frustrated with you, and that's why you face the circumstances that you do. But, but that image of, of God being that kind of a father will severely limit, one, the way you father or your experience with a father. And maybe I could just do something just to make this practical. In fact, could we just stand to our feet in the presence of God for a moment? And because I would love to reframe the way that we view our Heavenly Father. And maybe you've got a good view of, of our Heavenly Father. Maybe you know who He is, but but I know that not all of us always grow up with that. I've, I've spoken to people who have told me, you know, I'm cool with, with understanding of Jesus as a Messiah and Savior, but, but, but God as a Father, man, you don't know my Father. Well, I want to reframe the Father figure for a moment. I want to I redeem that idea. So why don't you do something as a practical at all our locations? Would you just close your eyes for a moment? And I want you to connect with that image that you have of a Father figure, Heavenly Father good or bad, positive or negative. And then I'm going to ask, would we lay it down and pick up what the Word of God describes our Father to be? A Father that loved us so much that He could not bear the thought of us going through what was due to us because of our own sin, that He gave His own Son as a sacrifice in our place. A Father so full of grace, a Father so full of mercy, a Father so full of love and passion for us that He put a purpose within us before we breathed our first breath, before one hair was formed on our head. He, he shaped us and He wove us together in our mother's womb. A Father that has a designed purpose for us, a Father that has a, a designed destiny for us, a Father that has designed our life in such a way to be glorified and filled with His glory. A Father of love, Father of grace. And so God, right now, as we make an exchange, Lord, from what we've held in our mind as a father, or our picture as you as God, our Father, Lord, I pray right now, Lord, as we pick up a correct understanding, God, with that love and forgiveness that you showed towards us, would it flow through us? God, we release forgiveness right now towards fathers that have hurt, Fathers that have wronged, fathers that have failed. God, whether it was a product of their own fathering or whatever, God, we let forgiveness reign because you forgive us. You forgive us for all the wrongs that we do. You have grace for us. So God, would grace flow through us. And God, I pray that, Lord, you would repair hurt areas. God, lives that have been hurt and hindered because of parenting. And God, we pray a Father's love into their life right now. Come on, I believe there is healing taking place right now on this Father's Day. There is restoration, redemption in the atmosphere right now. Even in the area of absent fathers, in a generation that has had to grow up without fathers. God, we thank you for godly men that can be spiritual fathers, that can step into the gap, that can model Christ and model God the Father.
full of grace, full of truth, full of mercy. God, we pray right now for each and every life here. Reveal your heart, we pray. In your mighty name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise in here. We hope you are blessed by this podcast. If you have a story about what God's done or what He's doing in your life, we'd love to hear it. Send us an email at mystory@vivechurch.org. At